The boil of dust rose from the road, still hidden below the curve where the land fell away toward the lake, hidden also by the green stand of Fulton's cornfield, between his own dooryard and the curve, but somehow he knew what was coming, could picture the flashy two-wheeled gig he'd not yet seen but had heard more of than he wished. He turned to where his younger hired man stood between the team of mules, holding each by the bridle, and the mules seemed to know what was coming also, both shifting foot to foot, the lines still looped around the near mule's outside haim. They were setting out to make hay. Malcolm Hopeton spoke to the hired boy, Harlan Davis. Get me something. What? Get you what? He'd turned back, could hear the rattle of gravel under the wheels, and the snapping trot of a fast horse, and the gig came into view, leaping in the heat mirage of the road. Amos Wheeler, in a slick suit, hatless, his hair the color of wet clay plastered back with the wind, reining up a blood-bay gelding. Beside him on the narrow seat, squeezed tight, one arm around Wheeler's waist as an anchor against the day, sat Hopeton's own wife. Until this moment he hadn't laid eyes upon her in four years come September. Later he'd say he couldn't remember what happened next, as if he were back in the worst of the war, but in fact he recalled every moment of it, much like the war itself. Bethany's black mass of curls was pinned under an oversized hat, but wild as ever, matching the glisten in her eye, her lips improbable as a small split plum barely traced with road dust. She called Malcolm's name as Wheeler brought the gig to a stop in the yard. Wheeler wrapped the lines around the whip socket, and, young and unburdened by any hardships of the past years, came out of the gig with both feet in fancy patent boots and an outstretched hand, grinning, only the slip of fear in his eye. Malcolm had seen that countless times in all fashions, but it always meant the same thing. We done our best to hold things together, Mr. Hopeton. You sorry son of a bitch. Then he was moving fast to the pile of gear, next to the empty waiting hay wagon, where he snatched up a neck yoke evener and came back around swinging it, flailing right through Wheeler's upraised arm and shattering his jaw and the side of his head and popping one eye from its socket. The mules broke free of Harlan, snorting and farting as they fled for the safety of the barn. Wheeler was dead on the ground, or nearly so, one leg kicking like a dying dog trying to right itself, one hand scrabbling against gravel. Hopeton stepped forward, straddled the man, and lifted the evener. There was a cry from behind as Harlan tackled Hopeton, trying to get both arms around his chest, and even in the moment Hopeton knew the boy was trying to save Hopeton from himself. He had the evener in his strong left hand, and so drove his right elbow back into the boy's ribs, knocking the wind from him and causing him to stumble back. Hopeton followed and knocked the boy a tap the side of his head and laid him down in the yard. 
Harlan groaned twice and slipped into a semblance of sleep. Oh, my Lord in Christ, Malcolm, you've killed them dead, Bethany cried, her voice trailing breath. She was down out of the gig, the horse tossing his head against the taut wrapped reins. Someone had trained it well, most likely Amos Wheeler. Bethany, he said. Oh, bet. You ruined yourself and done your best upon me as well.